Chapters 31 through 47 of The Life of St. Hilarion by St. Jerome. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The occasion seems a fitting one, since we are on the spot itself to describe the abode of this great man. There is a high and rocky mountain extending for about a mile with gushing springs amongst its spurs, the waters of which are partly absorbed by the sand, partly flow towards the plain, and gradually form a stream shaded on either side by countless palms, which lend much pleasantness and charm to the place. Here the old man might be seen pacing to and fro with the disciples of Blessed Anthony. Here, so they said, Anthony himself used to sing, pray, work, and rest when weary. Those vines and shrubs were planted by his own hand. That garden bed was his own design. This pool for watering the garden was made by him after much toil. That hole was handled by him for many years. Hilarion would lie upon the saint's bed, and, as though it were still warm, would affectionately kiss it. The cell was square, its sides measuring no more than the length of a sleeping man. Moreover, on the lofty mountain top, the ascent of which was by a zigzag path very difficult, were to be seen two cells of the same dimensions, in which he stayed when he escaped from the crowds of visitors or the company of his disciples. These were cut out of the live rock and were only furnished with doors. When they came to the garden, you see, said Isaac, this garden with its shrubs and green vegetables. About three years ago, it was ravaged by a troop of wild asses. One of their leaders was hidden by Anthony to stand still while he thrashed the animal's sides with a stick and wanted to know why they devoured what they had not sown. And ever afterwards, excepting the water which they were accustomed to come and drink, they never touched anything, not a bush nor a vegetable. The old man further asked to be shown his burial place, and they thereupon took him aside, but whether they showed him the tomb or not is unknown. It is related that the motive for secrecy was compliance with Anthony's orders, and to prevent Pergamius, a very wealthy man of the district, from removing the saint's body to his house and erecting a shrine to his memory. Having returned to Aphroditon, and keeping with them only two of the brethren, he stayed in the neighboring desert, and practiced such rigid abstinence and silence that he felt that then, for the first time, he had begun to serve Christ. Three years had now elapsed since the heavens had been closed, and the land had suffered from drought, and it was commonly said that even the elements were lamenting the death of Anthony. Hilarion did not remain unknown to the inhabitants of that place any more than to others, but men and women with ghastly faces and wasted by hunger earnestly entreated the servant of Christ, as being the blessed Anthony's successor, to give them rain. Hilarion, when he saw them, was strangely affected with compassion, and raising his eyes to heaven and lifting up both his hands, he at once obtained their petition. But strange to say, that parched and sandy district, after the rain had fallen, unexpectedly produced such vast numbers of serpents and poisonous animals that many who were bitten would have died at once if they had not run to Hilarion. He therefore blessed some oil with which all the husbandmen and shepherds touched their wounds and found an infallible cure. Seeing that even there surprising respect was paid to him, he went to Alexandria, intending to cross from thence to the farther oasis of the desert, and because he had never stayed in cities since he entered on the monk's life, he turned aside to some brethren at Brucium, not far from Alexandria, whom he knew, 
and who welcomed the old man with the greatest pleasure it was now nights when all at once they heard his disciples saddling the ass and making ready for the journey they therefore threw themselves at his feet and besought him not to leave them they fell prostrate before the door and declared they would rather die than lose such a guest he answered my reason for hastening away is not that i may give you trouble you will no doubt afterwards discover that i have not suddenly left without good cause next day the authorities of gaza with the lictors of the prefect having heard of his arrival on the previous day entered the monastery and when they failed to find him anywhere they began to say to one another what we heard is true he is a magician and knows the future the fact was that the city of gaza on julian's ascent to the throne after the departure of hilarion from palestine and the destruction of his monastery had presented a petition to the emperor requesting that both hilarion and hezekias might be put to death and a proclamation had been published everywhere that search should be made for them having then left brookium he entered the oasis through the trackless desert and there abode for a year more or less but inasmuch as his fame had travelled thither also he felt that he could not be hidden in the east where he was known to many by report and by sight and began to think of taking a ship for some solitary island so that having been exposed to public view by land he might at least find concealment in the sea just about that time hadrian his disciple arrived from palestine with information that julian was slain and that a christian emperor had commenced his reign he ought therefore it was said to return to the relics of his monastery but he when he heard this solemnly refused to return and hiring a camel crossed the desert waste and reached partonium a city on the coast of libya there the ill-starred hadrian wishing to return to palestine and unwilling to part with the renown so long attaching to his master's name heaped reproaches upon him and at last having packed up the presents which he had brought him from the brethren set out without the knowledge of hilarion as i shall have no further opportunity of referring to this man i would only record for the terror of those who despise their masters that after a little while he was attacked by the king's evil and turned to a mass of corruption the old man accompanied by gazanius went on board a ship which was sailing to sicily halfway across the adriatic he was preparing to pay his fare by selling a copy of the gospels which he had written with his own hand in his youth when the son of the master of the ship seized by a demon began to cry out and say hilarion servant of god why is it that through you we cannot be safe even on the sea spare me a little until i reach the land let me not be cast out here and thrown out into the deep the saint replied if my god permits you to remain remain but if he casts you out why bring odium upon me a sinner and a beggar this he said that the sailors and merchants on board might not betray him on reaching sore not long after the boy was cleansed his father and the rest who were present having given their word that they would not reveal the name of the saint to any one on approaching pachinus a promontory of sicily he offered the master the gospel for the passage of himself and gazinus the man was unwilling to take it all the more because he saw that excepting that volume and the clothes they wore they had nothing and at last he swore he would not take it but the aged saint ardent and confident in the consciousness of his poverty rejoiced exceedingly that he had no worldly possessions and was accounted a beggar by the people of the place once more unthinking the matter over and fearing that merchants 
coming from the east might make him known he fled to the interior some twenty miles from the sea and there on an abandoned piece of ground every day tied up a bundle of firewood which he laid upon the back of his disciple and sold at some neighboring mansion they thus supported themselves and were able to purchase a morsel of bread for any chance visitors but that came exactly to pass which is written a city set on a hill cannot be hid it happened that one of the shields men who was vexed by a demon was in the basilica of the blessed peter at rome when the unclean spirit within him cried out a few days ago christ's servant hilarion entered sicily and no one knew him and he thinks he is hidden i will go and betray him immediately he embarked with his attendants in the ship lying in the harbor sailed to pequinas and led by the demon to that old man's hut there prostrated himself and was cured on the spot this his first miracle in sicily brought the sick to him in countless numbers but it brought also a multitude of religious persons insomuch that one of the leading men who was swollen with the dropsy was cured the same day that he came he afterwards offered the saints gifts without end but the saint replied to him in the words of the saviour to his disciples freely ye received freely give while this was going on in sicily hezekias his disciple was searching the world over for the old man traversing the coast penetrating deserts clinging all the while to the belief that wherever he was he could not long be hidden at the end of three years he heard at methona from a certain jew who dealt in old clothes that a christian prophet had appeared in sicily and was working such miracles and signs one might think him one of the ancient saints so he asked about his dress gait and speech and in particular his age but could learn nothing his informant merely declared that he had heard of the man by report he therefore crossed the adriatic and after a prosperous journey came to pequinas where he took his abode in a cottage on the shore of the bay and on inquiring for tidings of the old man discovered by the tale which every one told him where he was and what he was doing nothing about him surprised them all so much as the fact that after such great signs and wonders he had not accepted even a crust of bread from any one in the district and to cut my story short the holy man hezekias fell down at his master's knees and bedewed his feet with tears at length he was gently raised by him and when two or three days had been spent in talking over matters he learned from gazanus that hilarion no longer felt himself able to live in those parts but wanted to go to certain barbarous races where his name and fame were unknown he therefore brought him to epidurus a town of dalmatia where he stayed for a few days in a country near but could not be hid an enormous serpent of the sort which the people of those parts call boas because they are so large that they often swallow oxen was ravaging the whole province far and wide and was devouring not only flocks and herds but husbandmen and shepherds who were drawn in by the force of its breathing he ordered a pyre to be prepared for it then sent up a prayer to christ called forth the reptile bade it climb the pile of wood and then applied the fire he burnt the savage beast to ashes but now he began anxiously to ask what he was to do whether to betake himself once more he prepared for flight and in thought ranged through solitary lands grieving that his miracles could speak of him though his tongue was silent at that time there was an earthquake over the whole world following on the death of julian which caused the sea to burst its bounds and left ships hanging on the edge of mountain steeps 
it seemed as though god were threatening a second deluge or all things were returning to original chaos when the people of epidaurus saw this i mean the roaring waves and heaving waters and the swirling billows mountain-high dashing on the shore fearing that what they saw had happened elsewhere might befall them and their town be utterly destroyed they made their way to the old man and as if preparing for a battle placed him on the shore after making the sign of the cross three times in the sand he faced the sea stretched out his hands and no one would believe to what a height the swelling sea stood like a wall before him it roared for a long time as if indignant at the barrier then little by little sank to its level epidaurus and all the region round about tell the story to this day and mothers teach their children to hand down the remembrance of it to posterity verily what was said to the apostles if ye have faith ye shall say to this mountain remove into the sea and it shall be done may be even literally fulfilled provided one has such faith as the lord commanded the apostles to have for what difference does it make whether a mountain descends into the sea or huge mountains of water everywhere else fluid suddenly become hard as rock at the old man's feet the whole country marveled and the fame of the great miracle was in everyone's mouth even at salone when the old man knew this was the case he escaped secretly by night in a small cutter and finding a merchant ship after two days came to cyprus between malia and cythera the pirates who had left on the shore that part of their fleet which is worked by poles instead of sails bore down on them with two light vessels of considerable size and besides this they were buffeted by the waves on every side all the rowers began to be alarmed to weep to leave their places to get out their poles and as though one message was not enough again and again told the old man that pirates were at hand looking at them in the distance he gently smiled then turned to his disciples and said o ye of little faith wherefore do ye doubt are these more than the army of pharaoh yet they were all drowned by the will of god thus he spake and none the less the enemy with foaming prows kept drawing nearer and were now only a stone's throw distant he stood upon the prow of the vessel facing them with outstretched hand and said thus far and no further marvelous to relate the boats at once bounced back and though urged forward by the oars fell farther and farther astern the pirates were astonished to find themselves going back and labored with all their strength to reach the vessel but were carried to the shore faster by far than they came i passed by the rest for fear i should seem in my history to be publishing a volume of miracles i will only say this that when sailing with a fair wind among the cyclades he heard the voices of unclean spirits shouting in all directions from towns and villages and running in crowds to the shore having then entered paphos the city of cyprus renowned in the songs of the poets the ruins of whose temples after frequent earthquakes are the only evidences at the present day of its former grandeur he began to live in obscurity about two miles from the city and rejoiced in having a few days rest but not quite twenty days passed before throughout the whole island whoever had unclean spirits began to cry out that hilarion christ's servant had come and that they must go to him with all speed salamis curium apetha and other cities joined in the cry while many declared that they knew hilarion 
and that he was indeed the servant of Christ, but where he was they could not tell. So within a little trifle, more than thirty days, about two hundred people, both men and women, came together to him. When he saw them, he lamented that they would not suffer him to be quiet, and thirsting in a kind of manner to avenge himself, he lashed them with such urgency of prayer that some immediately, others after two or three days, all within a week, were cured. Here he stayed two years, always thinking of flight, and in the meantime sent Hezekias, who was to return in the spring, to Palestine, to salute the brethren and visit the ashes of his monastery. When the latter returned, he found Hilarion longing to sail again to Egypt, that is, to the locality called Bucolia. But he persuaded him that, since there were no Christians there, but only a fierce and barbarous people, he should rather go to a spot in Cyprus itself, which was higher up and more retired. After long and diligent search, he found such a place, twelve miles from the sea, far from among the recesses of rugged mountains, the ascent to which could hardly be accomplished by creeping on hands and knees. Thither he conducted him. The old man entered and gazed around. It was indeed a lonely and terrible place, for though surrounded by trees on every side, with water streaming from the brow of the hill, a delightful bit of garden, and fruit trees in abundance, of which, however, he never ate, yet it had close by the ruins of an ancient temple from which, as he himself was wont to relate, and his disciples testify, the voices of such countless demons re-echoed night and day that you might have thought there was an army of them. He was highly pleased at the idea of having his opponents in the neighborhood, and abode there five years, cheered in these his last days by the frequent visits of Hezekias, for owing to the steep and rugged ascent and the numerous ghosts, so the story ran, nobody, or scarcely anybody, either could or dared to go up to him. One day, however, as he was leaving his garden, he saw a man, completely paralyzed, lying in front of the gates. He asked Ezekias who he was, or how he had been brought. Ezekias replied that he was an agent at the country house to which the garden belonged in which they were located. Weeping much and stretching out his hand to the prostrate man, he said, I bid you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, arise and walk. The words were still on the lips of the speaker, when, with miraculous speed, the limbs were strengthened, and the man arose and stood firm. Once this was noised abroad, the need of many overcame even the pathless journey and the dangers of the place. The occupants of all the houses round about had nothing so much in their thoughts as to prevent the possibility of his escape. A rumor having spread concerning him to the effect that he could not stay long in the same place. This habit of his was not due to levity or childishness, but to the fact that he shunned the worry of publicity and praise, and always longed for silence and a life of obscurity. In his eighteenth year, during the absence of Hezekias, he wrote by way of a will, a short letter with his own hand, and left him all his riches, that is to say, a copy of the Gospels in his sackcloth tunic, cowl, and cloak for his servant had died a few days before. Many devout men, therefore, came to the invalid from Paphos, and specially because they had heard of his saying that he must soon migrate to the Lord and must be liberated from the bonds of the body. There came also Constantia, a holy woman whose son-in-law and daughter he had anointed with oil and saved from death. He earnestly entreated them all not to let him be kept even a moment of time after death, 
but to bury him immediately in the same garden, just as he was, clad in his goat-hair tunic, cowl, and his peasant's cloak. His body was now all but cold, and naught was left of life but reason. Yet with eyes wide open he kept repeating, Go forth, what do you fear? Go forth, my soul, why do you hesitate? You have served Christ nearly seventy years, and do you fear death? Thus saying, he breathed his last. He was immediately buried before the city heard of his death. When the holy man Hezekias heard of his decease, he went to Cyprus, and, to lull the suspicions of the natives who were keeping strict guard, pretended that he wished to live in the same garden, and then, in the course of about ten months, though at great peril to his life, stole the saint's body. He carried it to Majuma, and there all the monks and crowds of townsfolk, going in procession, laid it to rest in the ancient monastery. His tunic, cowl, and cloak were uninjured, the whole body as perfect as if alive, and so fragrant with sweet odors that one might suppose it to have been embalmed. In bringing my book to an end, I think I ought not to omit to mention the devotion of the holy woman Constantia, who, when a message was brought her that Hilarion's body was in Palestine, immediately died, proving even by death the sincerity of her love for the servant of God. For she was accustomed to spend whole nights in vigil at his tomb, and to converse with him as if he were present, in order to stimulate her prayers. Even at the present day one may see a strange dispute between the people of Palestine and the Cypriots, the one contending that they have the body, the other the spirit of Hilarion. And yet in both places great miracles are wrought daily, but to a greater extent in the Garden of Cyprus, perhaps because that spot was dearest to him. End of chapters 31 through 47 End of the Life of St. Hilarion by St. Jerome, translated by Philip Schaeff